this is not bad. This is not what should be on Saturday Night Live. He was paid by the minute. Albert. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, he was paid by I the minute. Albert Brooks was paid by the minute. So we're sitting through these long ass jokes. You know what? No, I hate that. This is, you know what? He really is Hank Scorpio. He is a super villain. I'm sitting here now through these long ass bits that don't work to line Albert Brooks' pockets. Get your bag, Albert. Oh, I'm sour now, man. Uh, that the, this knowledge has made me sour. Now that that's according to some quotes in the Live from New York book, which, by the way, I will have an Amazon link down in the uh, description Yo. of this video. How's that for a pitch, man? We love to see it. Uh, next up is a Chiron. <laughs> in hell a look back at saturday night live with your hosts matt d and keith brought to you by lion's den audio theater like and subscribe to lion's den audio theater for more lion's den goodness and here are your hosts keith d and matt Episode 3 originally aired October 23rd, 1975, and the host for tonight is Rob Reiner. Hello, Matt. Hello, Dee. Hello. Hello. Everyone doing well tonight? Super. I'm doing good. Ready to talk about Rob Reiner's uh, stint hosting Saturday Night Live? For sure. Super ready. Son of legendary comedy writer Carl Reiner. Uh, at this time when he was hosting Saturday Night Live, he was in the midst of his run as Meathead Stivic on the uh, classic, a lot of people's number one for favorite sitcom of all time, All in the Family. His musical, well, it's not really a musical guest, but it's a guest that uses music. It's the, uh, it's the uh, hip-hop legends, uh, very influential in the uh, breakdancing and hip-hop genres, The Lockers, and there's some extra guests along the way, like uh, like Penny Marshall, uh, wife of Rob Reiner. So yeah, we start out our cold opening, uh, Chevy Chase in a wheelchair, Jane Curtin is his uh, nurse, she takes Chevy in, Chevy lights a smoke, tries to light a smoke, but he drops his lighter. He gets up and picks it up, um, tries again, falls, and it's live from New York. It's Saturday night. Another uh, nice cold opening from Chevy. He's, he's yeah, he's been, uh, he, he, this is, uh, he's done every one so far, right? Yeah, number this three. is number three, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it works for me. I thought this was funny. I have a crush on Jane Curtin, season one Jane Curtin. Oh, oh. can't take my eyes off her. Really? Yeah, can I say? But I thought the sketch was hilarious. I thought Chevy was great in it. He really was great at the physical stuff, huh? Yeah. I don't think that they would have been able to do this opening today. Because of the cigarette? No, not because of the cigarette. Just because of the the wheelchair and disabilities and the suggestion that it's funny that somebody would be dynamically disabled, like able to get up out of their wheelchair. Like, it's so common. So for me, that like I didn't find it funny at all. I was honestly, like, I use a mobility aid. I have a cane. So I was just sat there like, is this what was funny at the time? Like, I just, I I didn't get it at all. Like, I didn't get it at all. Yeah, I wonder, like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, It's sometimes like, is it, is it less funny if he's not? permanently disabled like is it less so, yeah you know I mean? i'm, I'm going to say yes because dynamic disabilities like they yeah. exist it's not a shock to me to see someone who is disabled like get up out of a wheelchair like it's not funny i just didn't get it mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah i know what you're uh, saying but yeah. if there was something like clear like where he was supposed to be like a full-time wheelchair user 
it might be it might be funnier yeah i totally mm. get what you're saying i mean that's that's perfectly logical to me i, I agree i don't think it'd make air today and i thought just the cigarette alone <laughs> might have kept it <laughs> that <up>. was funny, yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of smoking in these shows, I've noticed, as a, as a smoker, I'm, I'm noticing there's a lot of smoking. Now, if you don't smoke, please don't start. Don't start smoking. Yeah, it's not a not a good thing. So yeah, we go into the uh, we go into the intro. Of course, uh, this time I did notice Michael O'Donoghue is back on the list, so I think he's gonna pop up on the list, the cast list when he appears, but not when he's just there as a writer. So the monologue: Rob Reiner comes out in a uh, lounge singer getup, does a lounge singer bit. This bit, to me, I mean, we see this lounge singer thing all the time as a as a as a gimmick and a parody type thing. Exactly what Rob Reiner did, but perhaps better. I know that there were a lot of these guys sort of fading out of the public consciousness at that time, but this monologue to me just didn't work. I have a completely opposite opinion to yours. Yeah. I wrote like in capital letters, <laughs> good host entrance. I don't know. I just thought it was so funny to me. And every time he kept just like stating like to everybody, like asking like, isn't he beautiful? Isn't everyone beautiful? I just, I love it. And uh, it really worked for me. And I want to uh, give a shout out to the woman in green in the background that we will continue to see throughout this episode. Because when he starts singing and like going through this bit, she looks so confused. Like she has no yeah. idea what she's getting into here. She was, a, she was, I watched her constantly during the show. You know, you know, Keith, like sometimes you see the, the those fans like in the hard cam when you're watching a wrestling show. And sure. They're, they're almost like distracting in their individuality. <laughs> I felt that with both the woman in green at sitting stage side by this show. That's hilarious. For some reason, because Rob Reiner at the time, he's like playing a, a legendary character on a, on a legendary show. I don't know, maybe my expectations were too high and I just kind of saw this as like a, a cheap, like, Tony Clifton, or as we'll get to see later in Saturday Night Live, uh, like Nick the Lounge Singer. Um, I, I was going to mention Tony Clifton because I because yeah. Andy Kaufman's advertised for the show, and when he came out, I was like, because yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I was, and I was, at a quick look, I was like, hey, is this a, some sort of Tony Clifton bit? And I was like, no, wait, that's Rob Reiner. And then he went on, but uh, yeah, I was almost for a half a second, I was fooled. Anyway, but uh, I, I guess to get to, to to address my opinion, I did think it was pretty funny. I laughed a few times. This is, you know what it kind of reminded me of, Keith? I, I know you've never uh, been out to the open mics, but sometimes that's kind of my shtick when I when I hosted the Oasis show. Uh, I got that like loungy cabaret host scumbag vibe. It was, was kind of my shtick. And I kind of, I felt that a little bit in this. So I, I <laughs> might have... Uh, I might have just been nostalgic for uh, for hosting that show and doing that kind of thing myself. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just didn't it didn't work for me. It really hit the schmaltziness of it when he still ended with the song after going on on his big monologue. And I I don't know. I never I had never uh, I didn't really see a hell of a lot of All in the Family. You know, I've seen a few episodes. I only I mostly know Rob Reiner from Spinal Tap and then later cameos and things. And of course, as a director, but I never really saw him act at all. So I really didn't have any particular expectations of it, per se, which maybe helped me enjoy it. I don't know. If, I don't know what didn't work for me. You know what um, worked for me? When he like is switching out of the character that he's doing and he takes his wig off, like he literally snatches his own wig and he's just like, ha I got you. Like, this is who I actually am. <laughs> I'm Rob Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that the lady in green loved it too. 
I, I could be wrong about this, but that could have been very a very artful move because I think he was wearing a wig under the wig. Like I think he was quite bald at that point in time. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think the hair on the top is his own. Yeah, so I mean that 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 is artful. I'll give him a point for that one. <laughs> so then we go to a commercial for the uh, National Pancreas Association. Gilda Radner and John Belushi, and then uh, Belushi goes to see. Dan Aykroyd, who gives probably my favorite line thus far, uh, the knock-knock joke. Yes, knock, I knock. It. Who's there? Ed's pancreas. Ed's pancreas who? I don't know, Ed. <laughs> yeah, this this skit was fun. And I feel like this is this is Saturday Night Live's bread and butter. I feel like a, uh, a commercial sketch like this could come in any era, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. This is the exactly the kind of thing that could have been on any decade. You know, it was this one and it was cool. But, uh, you know, this kind of uh, quintessential Saturday Night Live, I guess that's why I think that. Shit, yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. Um, for some reason, the line from Dan, your pancreas is on the fritz. <laughs> 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 that made me laugh, and I wish doctors talked like that in reality. You know, we're, we're, we're only three episodes in, and, and, and things are evolving, and things are settling in. Do you think, though, with the commercials, that they hit the ground running immediately with those? We've seen a few now. Um, do you think the commercials were in place and, and, and there right off right off the bat? Yeah, I do. You know, it sure seems so. I mean, I and I don't even remember what we've seen already sitting here talking about it, to be honest. But uh, I I know I've enjoyed them so far. And I I mean, I'm a sucker for that kind of gag anyway. I'm a sucker for that kind of joke. So I I generally always enjoy them, even when they're not exactly like super clever. Uh, Just the format is just so pleasing to me that I just like watching it. Um, But yeah, I guess a short answer to your question is, you know what? I, I think so. I think you're right about that hitting the ground running stuff and uh shit this was funny and you know what even as i watch i know we're on episode three i can already tell uh like if i try to transpose myself back into the day i'm, I'm a big dan Aykroyd guy he is killing it for me whenever he's and on he was screen. on fire in this one absolutely i find that it creates their own like little canon vacuum universe having all these little commercials like you you kind of mm-hmm. start to picture as it goes on what this like weird universe might be like and i love that yeah very postmodern oh next up we have one of them lovely audience chirons um some woman in the audience has been to lee radswill's house um and she was a socialite who was uh, jackie kennedy's sister so it's implying that the uh, the young woman in the audience is quite well off or has well off friends something i will mention so very many times as we continue to do this uh is one of the the one of the achilles heels for me of saturday night live is it uh, will always be its uh, use of topical humor, which is necessary, of course, for the show. It's why it's lasted for so long, but it makes it in hindsight. You know, a lot of it just doesn't land. And I'll, I'll say that frequently. But yes, yeah, so some, some of it dates poorly. And that's fine because not all of it dates poorly. But I mean, it's just the way it is when you use such topical humor. I didn't really get it. Um, in my notes, it just says cut to random audience member, which made me laugh. That's pretty much just proves is. my point, I think. I was wondering with this one, even if they updated it and said, you know, been to Paris Hilton's house. I don't know if I would have snickered. Yeah, I'm not. This wasn't wasn't a. Uh, I mean, it didn't land. Reiner stands at a podium. He begins by saying hi to Penny, his wife Penny Marshall, and his daughter Tracy. Uh, Tracy uh, Reiner went on to be an actor, probably best known by me as Betty Spaghetti in uh, A League of Their Own. 
which was directed by her mom. And then Don Pardo announces that Penny Marshall has been secretly flown to New York. And then Rob Reiner pretends that it's a big surprise. And Penny Marshall says, no, it's not a surprise. I don't quite know what they were going for. And then they go to Common Fashion Mistakes, which is a fashion show featuring Radner, Lorraine Newman, and uh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, was Jane Curtin in there as well? Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris, that's right. And yes, so, Jane Curtin as well. So some of the cast come out wearing uh, different things. I know Lorraine Newman is still wearing her uh, her clothes in a dry cleaner bag. Uh, Gilda, of course, has her underwear outside her clothes. Uh, a few things like that. This this didn't hit it for me. Uh, again, another one that was kind of meh. Uh, I, I liked this one. Oh, you know, yeah? We're... Yeah, we're we we're, we're not matched on two tonight so far. That's interesting, That's interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I when Garrett Morris came out with the fucking chair, I was like, <laughs> "That's great." And he was like, "Rob Reiner was trying to assure us that the place you're going will uh, be able to offer you a chair. You need not bring your own chair." That's the kind of absurdist shit I love from Saturday Night Live sometimes. Uh, and same with Jane Curtin. Jane Curtin came out with the fucking hamster head or the rodent head. I thought Rob Reiner was great in his dead. You know, he did a really good deadpan. But he was like, don't wear this head when you go over for your fucking function. <laughs> it's like, good shit. And his I mic ju- obviously broke. They, they were yeah. having technical difficulties. He was leaning over to Penny Marshall's mic and shouting into it. His yeah. lines. Which kind of all, I thought, yeah, I, I, I liked this one. Works for me. The rodent head is why I didn't remember Jane Curtin in the skit. Oh, Yeah. I didn't write who who was wearing the hamster hat down because I I had no idea. So yeah, I didn't uh, I don't have much to say about this. I thought it was funny, and Matt already said it. Garrett with the chair was so funny. <laughs> I loved him. Uh, next up, there is a uh, ad for Golden Needles Voodoo Acupuncture, where George Co uh, provides some uh, hosting slash voiceover. As a bunch of people are, for example, Chevy Chase is, is playing tennis while he's getting a vasectomy. I liked this one. I laughed. Uh, I laughed before I even knew, like, before it got to the acupuncture part, I already thought it was hilarious. Like, my mind was going into, like, what is this joke trying to do? Uh, I think wherever they went with it, it was going to be funny to me. Just It was just so absurd. I loved it. Yeah, and you said it earlier, Keith. They hit the ground running with these commercials. My only issue is, uh, and it's not even an issue, I, I wish I could see more of the not ready for primetime players. Uh, I, I'm longing for them. So I wish that was like Ackroyd or something doing the bit. But I mean, that's a shitty, trivial complaint. It it was great. To me, this one so far has actually been the most realistic 70s commercial, I think. I wasn't out here in the 70s, so I have no idea. (laughs) Nor have I spent time looking into 70s commercials, so I couldn't tell you, but it it was funny. It's the Pitchman. The Pitchman was great. I miss. I wish I I would still watch shit like that if they still made it. It's a lost art. It is. And I suppose they kind of brought that back a little bit a few years ago with like, uh, you know, Tony Little and Billy Mays here with the uh, OxyClean and ShamWow, the guy and all that sort of stuff. That's true. The infomercial personalities of the Y2K infomercial personalities. So then we get a return from a, a performer that was very popular our first time seeing him. Andy Kaufman comes out with the Pop Goes the Weasel. Love to hear from you guys first on this one. I love Andy Kaufman. Now when he comes out, I'm like, that's my baby. I just, I love him. <laughs> At first, 
I didn't really find it that funny, if I'm going to be completely honest. But, like, the longer the bit went on, the funnier it got for me. Especially uh, when the little girl's voice comes in and he kind of just awkwardly stands there. If given enough time, Andy Kaufman will always get a 10 out of 10 from me. It, it depends on how much time you give him, I think. Uh, too much too much time on this one for me. Loved the first one. And this one was a little too much of the same. I thought it was cute. Uh, I thought he was cute, but, uh, you know, the first one made me laugh. This one did not. Yeah, so, there, I mean, it's a variation on the same theme. Um, I, I laughed, and I, I rewatched just that segment a few times, which I guess is a testament to say I liked it. There's another, there's an old McDonald one. I don't remember if he does that on Saturday Night Live or not. I know he definitely does it on other shows. But we've got uh, we've got about 14 appearances left from Andy before he, uh, before he leaves us. So uh, I think you'll be pleased, Dee. I'm interested to hear how he grows on you and if he maintains his popularity with you. I think he will, but we'll see. And then we go to what is an iconic moment. I say iconic a lot, but this is a huge, huge moment for Saturday Night Live history in the segment Dangerous But Inept. Do you know why this is iconic and legendary? Well, uh, first, let me give you the uh, the short answer. Sure. But I'd also like to give you a slightly longer answer. Please. Uh, the short answer is no. I don't know. Okay. But here's my longer answer when I watched it. Because even though I don't quote-unquote know... Um, I kind, I guess I kind of do because of how I reacted to it because I was like, holy shit, did they really just do that? And because I finished Helter Skelter for the first time ever, like three months ago. So this is all super fresh with me. Uh, so when she came out and all this went down, I was, I was well, I mean, I was, I wouldn't, I wasn't aghast, um, but you know, I, I was like, holy shit. They, they did that. And I mean, I, st- I kind of laughed <laughs> because I, I, I do think that the two, I think Jane and Lorraine, uh, wow, I thought they did great. But uh, I, I, re- I thought it was uh, sh- a bit, I was shocked that they went there, I guess. Lorraine Newman does the first celebrity impersonation on Saturday Night Live in this skit. Celebrity, quote unquote. Yeah, she was at that point. Uh, Lynette Squeaky from well, she was a Manson girl. And when Manson went to prison, she was the de facto head of the family and, and maintained a lot of contact with Charles Manson. But in 1970, I could be wrong, but I think it's 1974, she attempted to assassinate Gerald Ford. And uh, her trial was uh, getting ready to happen as this episode aired. So it's definitely topical, but due to just the general fascination people have with both Charles Manson and uh, presidential assassinations, the name Squeaky From has not disappeared from public consciousness the way it may have for other members of the family. They'd never do that on TV today. You'd never have fucking Lorraine Newman, you know, trying to empty an unloaded gun on Jane Curtin on television today. You couldn't pull that off. That's pretty much all I had to say about it. I don't think that it is something that you could do today. But also, if you could, it's kind of funny, like if you've ever been on Tumblr or like any of those websites where you have all these Manson fangirls, if you don't know who Squeaky is and you're watching it now, like that's immediately what your mind goes to. I'm enchanted with Jane, though. She's so good here. She keeps that straight face in the chaos and she's just, yes. And so anyway, and like, you know, she's trying to shoot her and she just keeps moving on. I have a TV crush. <laughs> uh, the next thing we have is a cat food commercial for. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> 
we have a cat food commercial for Felina cat food. And it's hard to tell the difference between this cat food and people food. And just to prove it, they uh, make a casserole, two casseroles, one with uh, people food and one with cat food. And they give it to you know, to a uh, middle-aged woman at a, a grocery store. And they have her eat both. And then they give her the ingredients of, uh, of the two uh, cat foods. And the look on her face is amazing. The look on her face says it all. <laughs> Matt. Uh, yeah, this this was great. Again, I I, have, I feel like the, I felt the last time. I wish there was more of the not ready for primetime players. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's what. But yeah, I mean, that's because I have an expectation to see them more in season one because I want to because they became famous. I get that, uh, but I still wish it was them. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. This was uh, this was funny. It was good. Uh, it was a good punchline. Great setup, and it was well produced. I mean, I, I think this was just a great television comedy sketch. No, I think there's a method to the madness because if that was Gilda Radner or, or, or Jane Curtin instead of the uh, the woman whose uh, name I have, I think it's Mary Louise Wilson. Let me see. Yeah, Mary Louise Wilson, who is actually still alive and still working. I think because it isn't one of the, the, the main cast members, it gives it an element of realism. I get that. Next up is what uh, takes the place of a musical guest in this one, and it, it is definitely musical. The Lockers, um, seven dancers, some of them from uh, originally from Soul Train. They all sort of teamed up, and they, they became, like, extremely influential dancers in the hip-hop genre. What did you guys think of this one? Oh, my God, I loved it so much. The energy that it brought to the show is something I'm always looking for. I want them to keep pumping energy into the show throughout it. Uh, keeps me engaged. The lady that was wearing black and the black clown outfit, she was serving clown realness. If I could have any aesthetic in the world, it would be hers. Everything she is doing. I am here for it. I loved it. And then when they, Oh my God. And then when they cut the they cut the music and then continued just vibing, they had a kiki. They were kikiing on the stage. And the woman in green, she loved it. She loved it. The she woman did. in green loved it. Great performance. The fire spot was cool. It made me think of Kiss. Obviously, it makes me think of Randy Jackson's America's Next Best Dance Crew, uh, that uh, reality show from the 2000s, uh, because that was my first exposure to dance crews outside of 80s movies like Breakin'. Keith, did you ever see Breakin'? Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's funny you should say that because I'm going to go through who these people are. Let me just so, say <laughs> that uh, I would never replace permanently musical guests with dancing or any other type of variety. But uh, this was some solid variety. And I really thought it helped the show seem cooler i agree completely um one of the dancers was adolfo shabadu quinones who starred in breakin and breakin to electric boogaloo oh fuck there you go and uh one of the other ones was uh i never say the name right i can't remember if i'm saying it properly tony basil tony basil oh really was she yeah, that, was that her was that she was the her girl? yep what the fuck that was tony basil it oh, was. Mickey, what I'm feeling, you don't well, understand. No wonder, that is the, the vibe. That was Tony Basil. That is the vibe that I want to carry throughout my life. No wonder ah, I love her. That was cool. One of the other ones was uh, Fred Barry, who went on to play Rerun on What's Happening. That, that um, has much less cultural relevance for us than Mickey, I'm afraid. But uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that is. So and then the other ones we have uh, Fluky Luke, Bill Slim, the Robot Williams. 
um, Oliver Gibbons and uh, Don- Donald Campbellock, who is the uh, sort of the founder of the group, and uh, Greg Campbellock Jr., who is uh, no relation. Uh, Greg Pope is his real name. That's the crew. So then we go to weekend update. For me, it was a, just a regular early weekend update, except the highlight Don Pardo in his game show announcer voice listing off the terrorists' demands, where they want to go and what they're going to yeah, use and how they're going to get there. They don't have this figured out yet, though. I mean, they know it's going to work because, you know, they're going to keep doing it every week. I'm tainted because it's 2021. The humor is so topical on weekend update. Uh, as it will continue to be but these so these especially early ones just do not land for me i do not i do not find jokes about gerald ford funny i don't think there's anything funny about gerald ford or or this that era of politics and i don't even think you know they're not even really jokes they're just like subtle references it's like jay leno's political humor i don't know it's not edgy it's not funny even if I was, you know, I'm not ignorant of the, the you know, the political climate of the time. Uh, so, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm not getting all the jokes. Just, I don't, I don't know. I don't like Weekend Update yet. This episode had, uh, this edition had Garrett Morris doing the uh, interpretation for the uh, hard of hearing. This comes back a lot. The first time I saw it, it was hilarious. Yeah, I didn't know it was coming. And I definitely, I got a good crack out of it. It was my favorite part of the Weekend Update. Yeah. I thought it was funny, but I feel guilty for finding it funny because deaf people exist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if making fun of them was part of the show for them. It wasn't funny for me. See, I, yeah. I disagree with you on this one. I thought you were right with the wheelchair. But I think with this one, this is just funny shit that would still make it on air today. Oh, it would definitely make it on air today. I don't think it's... But I think hard of hearing people wouldn't find it funny because um, they would just like to have some subtitles. That's all I'm saying. I mean, they can. T- there's closed captioning. Right? Mm. It just wasn't funny to me. Okay. It, it's, there's sometimes with some of these jokes, and I, I'm not going to say this one for sure, and I'm not going to say the certainly wouldn't apply to the Chevy Chase one. Sometimes you wonder, is the joke on people that are hard of hearing, or is the joke on a network that would think they were making an apt accommodation okay. to people? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, and, I can see and that. Absolutely. That's the big debate that often goes on in my mind with this. Uh, certainly later, uh, as we get to different episodes, this one really comes up where it's like, are they making fun of, hard of people that are hard of hearing, or are they making fun of like people that aren't hard of hearing that think they're meeting them halfway? You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, The next thing we have, Middle America van lines, where when people are moving, they'll move the people, not the furniture. This one was flat for me. Yeah, this is, you know, when, you know, when this is funny for me, when it's like nine, if it's 1998 and I ate mushrooms to go to the bar, but now I'm home watching Saturday Night Live and tripping out to it. And I'm like, they're moving people. That's when this is funny to me. Other than that. Come on, it's not fun. It's not that funny. It's like it's a two-second joke that you just dragged out for minutes. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> the sight of them just like picking up the people or like wrapping them up to put them in the moving van, and then that shot where they're all just standing idly in the moving van. <laughs> that was a good shot. I'm that was a good shot. I'm yeah. just thinking about it. That's so funny to me. Now for the super purists. 
there was a gum commercial, a Wrigley's gum commercial that originally appeared here. It's not on the version we have, and it's apparently not on a few versions, um, but it does appear later, I believe in season two. So we'll see that gum commercial then. Next up, we go to our second celebrity impression of all time. Now, this impression is an impression. It is John Belushi's Joe Cocker. Uh, it really, you know, it felt like a Joe Cocker performance. So there was there was that like, yeah, it's a little funny, but it it was mostly just a really good Joe Cocker impression. But the problem for me becomes I don't like Joe Cocker. I don't like his version of that song. I'm not really into that kind of music. John Belushi, what an amazing job. What an amazing impression. And but I mean, so comedy didn't do it for me. But uh, I recognize the talent involved. It was just so much like Joe Cocker, who I just don't like. It, it was uh, it was too spot on. You know what I mean? I don't know who Joe Cocker is, but this was really funny to me. Uh, just the physical comedy aspect of it. Like, even if you don't know who he's trying to impersonate, you can tell that he is really good at what he's trying to do. And uh, when he picks up the beer and tries to pour it in his mouth and he just pours it all over himself, <laughs> that made me laugh. About two weeks ago, I watched Joe Cocker's performance at Woodstock before we even talked about doing this show. So to see this so recently after seeing it, um, this worked on every level for me. This is Belushi's coming out party for me thus far. He's emerged from the pack in a way. Um, oh, yeah. I just thought this was brilliant. He's overdoing it. He's grotesque. And, and he's he's doing a lot of things that Joe Cocker doesn't do. But, uh, my God, it's, it's bang on in 90% of the movements and 100% of the vocals. Yeah, it's remarkable. His performance is remarkable. Uh, this is really, like, at, at this point, it's pretty obvious. This guy's going to be a star. Hello, dear friends and listeners. This is Keith speaking from the future. During a break in recording, I sent Dee a video of Joe Cocker singing with a little help from my friend so we could get a reaction for the episode. And here is that reaction. I'm surprised to see that, like, it's not a complete over-exaggeration of his body <laughs> language. But there is some, over. but it's, it's pretty bang on, There's isn't some, it? Yeah, but he definitely does that. Next up, we have the Muppets. I've made my feelings known about the Muppets thus far. I was thinking watching this one. It's disappointing to me, not just because this is unfunny, but knowing how funny the Muppets can actually be. I have nothing left to say about the Muppets at this stage. This almost redeemed them for me, and I don't know if it's just because I enjoy to smoke weed so much. First of all, the design of the smoking Muppet is brilliant. I think that puppet is so cool, and that effect is so cool. But I think it's really funny. For the first time, I found this these puppets these muppets to be funny and it's a shame that i don't think it's going to continue to emulate the type of comedy they went for in this short episode of it because this was funny to me for the first time and yeah i liked it it definitely worked better for me too it was my favorite so far i wasn't just miserable watching the whole thing which i which i have been so far it wasn't cracking me up or anything i always try to put myself in the mind like that i'm watching this live on saturday night live at this time and i try to view it through that lens when i can and if i view it through that lens then i think it's kind of weird and cool so so maybe they're growing on you a little bit 
growing on this this one this one okay for me okay <laughs> my language not this one okay <laughs> um so our our next bit is a uh a thing on droolers by uh, chevy chase i uh i i didn't take many notes on this it, it didn't it didn't hit home for me oh keith i loved it first of all i thought um chevy chase it's the first time i've ever noticed and so i think uh, it was important to note he was breaking he was cracking up at his jokes he, he was right? yes. yeah he yeah. was <laughs> and this is the first time i've noticed that that's going to become a thing where people are like watching for it and hoping for it like and and years later this is going to be like oh my god bill hater cracked up oh. and uh, and this is the first time i've ever seen it i think this is the first time we've seen a break so i i, I do think it's important to note someday when we keith are old and gray and we make it to the season of the show where bill hater is on and uh, we're talking about the breaking and how it's it almost gets annoying and how the internet really gets into the the breaking and it becomes the sketch and it's like bigger than the sketch or the jokes and anyway there's a really big discussion there I think but but I think this time yes. it just made me laugh. I mean he's literally standing there delivering this monologue forcing himself to drool like <laughs> he struggled at some point he starts to laugh like it's just really funny to me he's literally standing there drooling yeah like yeah, that, that is funny. peak physical comedy to me i've never sat down and watched season one saturday night live one episode after another after another i can see why chevy was thought of as the star quickly yeah of course i mean don't get me wrong He's positioned that way. He's booked that mm -hmm. way, if you will. But I can see why he is at the same time. I read. I couldn't figure out what it is about Chevy that's not a that the others didn't have in the early ones. And you're right, he is positioned. But I don't remember who it was that was writing about early season Saturday Night Live. And they said Chevy was the first to get TV. The others are still somewhat stagey. Interesting. But Chevy knows how to work the cameras, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know what? And it does make sense to me when I watch it because let let there be no argument. I think Dan Aykroyd is funnier than Chevy Chase, period. But uh, when I think of them both, just based on these three episodes, I feel like Chevy looked at me. I feel like I've had a lot of icon. And I don't know if it's just because of Weekend Update. Maybe it's just because of Weekend Update. But I feel like I've had a lot of eye contact with Chevy Chase. And Dan is just always looking at the other characters and he's being mm -hmm. funny. But he's being a character and he's lost in the character, which is, you know, I think makes him a better actor. But that's neither here nor there. So the next this thing we have this is... This ain't your fave can pod. No, no. Um, so the next thing we have is a square dance. This involves a lot of the cast, actually. Uh, most of the cast and a couple of guests. Dan Aykroyd is the uh, square dance caller. And he calls out a bunch of uh, ways for the uh, the partners to harm each other, including eventually shooting one another. There's an old Bugs Bunny skit. Hillbilly Hoedown, I think it's called where Bugs Bunny does pretty much the same thing and does it far better than this skit does. This didn't do it for me. His laughter every time he gives one of these ominous instructions for the square dancers is what makes this for me. What about you, Matt? Yeah, Keith, Keith you and I are, are a bit at odds in this episode. I think Dan okay. Aykroyd was great here. I thought his voice was was really selling it. And uh, I loved he, Dan Aykroyd had a great rhythm. Like he was in it. He was yeah, he's clearly 
uh, a man with uh, with a music natural musical rhythm about him. Uh, he was hitting all of those lines. He was note perfect. And you know what? I thought, I guess I thought the the whole <laughs> the acts were a little schmaltzy. But uh, I, I just was I was really enjoying Dan too much to really notice that the dancer jokes weren't really landing like oh yeah kick your partner in the balls then throw sure. him against the wall yeah. um, <laughs> but, but dan you know dan was just doing it so well that i didn't care that the jokes weren't very smart sure yeah and he was on fire yeah he was great in this and i've never seen it i have no way of backing this up but i guarantee you that at some point hee-haw did that as well <laughs> Our next bit is a brand new comedy team, 40, 46 years ago. Denny Dillon and Mark Hampton, they come out dressed as nuns, and they do a bunch of nun-related jokes. Again, this one's not uh, this one's not working for me. This is shit, Keith. I don't even, this is like barely worth talking about for me. I just thought this was a fucking dead television. Like, really? You have all this talent on your hands, and this is your fucking television? This is, this is dragging the show down at this point this is this kind of shit that they're still trying to get rid of that they're still trying to filter out this was terrible it wasn't funny it was too long they this is just a sign that the show is just not there yet i wish they would have cut to the woman in green during this because i bet she was feeling how we all felt during that it wasn't funny um it wasn't funny nothing about it was funny I don't know what they were thinking with this. Yeah, and I, I mean, I grew up steeped in Catholicism. So I, it's weird. I understood every joke, but it just wasn't funny. It wasn't hitting. Yeah, it wasn't hitting I understood everything, but it yeah. wasn't funny at all. Yeah. And it could have been. Like, you could have put two nuns up there and had a really, really funny set, but that's not what happened here. Or you could have had, like, other people that had... A little bit more uh, physical ability, perhaps comedy-wise, and actually had a nun talent show. Where's that? Where's the right. nun talent show? Yeah, no, I'm stuck with this shitty host. Because I, I was like, oh, cool, a nun talent show. This will be funny. And then it never started. It's even like the 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 stereotypical guy as a nun thing that is always supposed to get this tongue-in-cheek laugh, I think. Uh, it just it didn't work for me at all on any level. I, uh, I I didn't notice that it was a man dressed as a nun. Like, that's how much it didn't hit for me. I sure. just thought it was two women up there doing something really not funny to me. Our next bit, uh, I don't want to say sketch, but our next bit is uh, What Gilda Ate. Yes, Gilda. <laughs> and this is, this is our real first time with, with Gilda Radner as herself. As far as I'm concerned, this was funny. This was simple. I have no idea if it was written, if it was just her telling what she actually ate or just completely improving. But this was great. I, I, it was so simple. Uh, what you can do with a chair, a spotlight, and somebody who knows what they're doing. 10 out of 10. She's so cute. I thought this was so relatable. If mm -hmm. I were to go through like my list realistically of like what I've eaten during a day... I'm sure it would sound something like this. You know, she found a little snack in her purse. Why not? Have it, honey. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, pretty funny. This, and Gilda Radner is so charming. And uh, and again, Kai said it about Belushi earlier. It's really obvious. This person is a star. Yeah, and you know, I'm noticing here that a lot of the time, and maybe this is why Chevy is really standing out, but these solo pieces, as we get to know these people as individuals, it's 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 raising their stock for me. Yes. 
it's harder to display um, like your talents when you're with a bunch of other people because you have to work off of them. But if you have somebody just sitting there in front of you and it's just you, I feel like that's underrated. And I, I don't know how this will go on, but I hope we see more of just like the individual comedians sitting there doing like a silly little monologue. So our next one is an Albert Brooks movie, and uh, guess what? I didn't hate this one. Um, he performs open-heart surgery on a, on a volunteer, an older man who volunteers. This one's better than all the other ones. It, it's uh, a lot funnier. I didn't find it was great, but this Brooks kid might not be as bad as I thought. My problem is, for me, that they're too long, and I think maybe is, perhaps that's because of 70s television at the time and maybe i'm not used to things being that long and so if somebody could accuse me surely of oh you just don't have the patience for it but eh, you know I'll, I'll agree i would agree with that with some types of things but not with this one this is saturday night okay this is airing late at night you are trying to capture a very specific audience here and i don't think your slow paced too long joke of a fucking short film here it doesn't work for me this is muppets level for me i don't like this short film and i i think the format does not work for this time of night they're just you know what i'm not saying it's, it's just such a clever idea that's what's frustrating is albert brooks is funny he's obviously very talented he's obviously with it he's you know he's famous he's a fucking celebrity he's albert brooks on this television show, just doesn't work. This is a bad format for Saturday Night Live. They are a oil and water. Doesn't mix, doesn't match. Do not like Albert Brooks short films on SNL. I feel the same. I feel like it drags out for such a long time. And I don't know what Albert Brooks goes on to do in his life, but I hope that he pulled away from this and just found his own niche and did this stuff by himself. Because if this were a YouTube channel today and I just discovered it through the algorithm, I would be binge watching this shit like nothing else. I think it's a brilliant little universe. I think he's such a strange man. And yeah, it doesn't fit for a Saturday night. Again, I don't know what happens to him in his life, but I hope that he got to use this talent somewhere else. I think it's an excellent... First of all, he goes on to employ Homer Simpson. Oh, he, wow. He goes on to be a Homer Simpson boss. Okay. Uh, and, and, and Nemo's dad. See it. It's such an excellent point and that I want to reiterate as well, Keith, uh, because I agree with it so much. This is not bad shit. This is not what should be on Saturday Night Live. Would it surprise you if I told you that uh, Lorne Michaels also thought it was too long? A big part of that was because Albert Brooks was, uh, he his films, he was paid by the minute. Albert, you motherfucker. You know I get your bag. Get your bag, Albert. <laughs> is that true? That is true. Yeah, he was paid by I the minute. Albert, Albert Brooks was paid by the minute, so we're sitting through these long-ass jokes. You know what? No, I hate that. This is, you know what? He really is Hank Scorpio. He is a supervillain. I'm sitting here now through these long-ass bits that don't work to line Albert Brooks' pockets. Get your bag, Albert. Fuck Get your Albert bag. Brooks. Fuck that. Oh, I'm sour now, man. Uh, that, the, this knowledge has made me sour against Albert Brooks. Now, that, that's according to some quotes in the Alive from New York book, which, by the way, I will have an Amazon link down in the uh, description Yo. of this video. How's that for a pitch, man? We love to see it. Uh, next up is a Chiron who uh, shows the guy who thought of calling Beaver Cleaver Beaver. Yep. 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 
And the final sketch of the night, uh, Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall are out at dinner, and they are uh, in the process of breaking up. And then the bees come in, and uh, Rob Reiner tries to get rid of them, and Belushi gives a heartfelt discussion about not wanting to be a bee. Belushi said, he literally said, we didn't ask to be bees. And yeah, they didn't ask to be bees. They were just there vibing, like doing their music in the background, the audacity of anybody to say anything to them, I'm here for the bees. Matt? <laughs> this, uh, I, I, I like this sketch. I thought I thought it went on for too long. That seems to be kind of like their thing that's, that I, I don't know, I feel like I say that a lot. This just went on for too long. But I still liked it. Belushi was still great in it. He, he was still obviously a star. He was fucking running circles around Reiner, who's just kind of felt like awkward. It was clear who the, the actor was in this sketch, and it wasn't fucking Rob Reiner. Um, Belushi was a star. He carried it, and he's a pleasure to watch. I just thought it was a little long. I kind of got the vibe with this one that they had like a few extra minutes more than they planned, and they just said, "Let's ad lib the end of this until it's till we hit that timestamp." I have no, you know, there's no, I can't source anything on that, but that was just sort of the feeling I got. I thought, let's get our dollar value out of the bee costumes before people stop vibing with it. <laughs> oh, the bees. I, I don't know. It's something I, I, I kind of miss, actually. I, I kind of wish they'd bring the bees back a bit more. We're at that point of the episode now where we're going to give our awards on episode three, Rob Reiner. Um, so let's start with, let's rate the host. Let's rate Mr. Reiner. At the beginning, it was a 10 out of 10 because it felt like he was the first host that we had that really felt like a host. But then as it goes on, it feels like he's not really hosting anymore and he's not included in the same way anymore. So I'm going to give him overall like a 7 out of 10. Well, I think I would be a little less kind. I'm going to tell you my overall score right away. I would give Rob Reiner a 6 out of 10. I think he did his best. I don't think he's some great, he's not, you know, he's not a great actor. He's a good director. He's a great writer. And you know what? He had those some very funny moments, but he certainly, he was not out there carrying the episode by any means. And uh, sometimes he was, he was the straight man. Sometimes like when he was during the fashion show bit, he was just yelling some straight man lines. And then at the B sketch, he was just doing his straight man lines. So there's really nothing special here for me other than the monologue. Six out of ten. Rob Reiner. Uh, well, he was intermingling with uh, with the cast, which is nice. He, at the time, was a comedic actor. And like I said, he has that pedigree. Um, I just thought he could have been a lot better. And I thought his monologue was way too long. Um, so we're definitely at odds on, on Rob Reiner's monologue. So now we'll normally rate the music. There is no music in this, no musical guest per se. But we'll talk about the lockers here. Ten out of ten... I thought they were highly entertaining. They brought energy to SNL, which I love to see in every episode. So 10 out of 10 for me. 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, I don't love not having music per se on Saturday Night Live. So, mm, I mean, the, the performance was great, but this is just... Uh, it just wasn't quite for me. But, I mean, you got to recognize the talent. Well, I mean, they only had a few minutes. Tony Basil was there, for goodness sakes. Eight out of ten. For me, I couldn't have been happier with watching that uh, that segment with the lockers. A lot of time you are watching an artist from an earlier time and, and people say, oh, this person's really influential. And you, you sort of say, how? I don't see it. These lockers could come out on stage today 
and fit right in with how they perform and what they're doing and actually blow most people away. And that's 45 years later. Um, I'd never seen them before. And uh, I have since found other clips on YouTube from other shows. These guys are great. Um, this I don't was know fantastic. if you guys keep up with just black dancers. I don't entirely but on Twitter, like if you're part of Black Twitter, you always see like the latest dance. This is exactly what you would see today. I completely agree. Um, these dances are still relevant. And I feel like these dances, I don't know, like if it was just the lockers that were doing this, this type of dance at this time. But that still is something that the Black community is very into. And I, I loved it. I don't follow much hip hop. I, I certainly don't follow dancing very much. But the research I found was that a lot of the stuff that came from the lockers came from them. They invented a lot of this stuff. I bet. Um, yeah, that's cool. At least that's what the internet says. So they were absolutely great. Next up, what was the uh, the worst bit for you guys of the night? Albert Brooks' short film. Do not like it. Do not find this is the, the proper medium Really just unpleasant to sit through. Too long. At least the Henson skits kind of go by. And, you know, they're making, you know, the, the kind of dumb jokes along the way. This Albert Brooks film is nothing for me. You know, I would have treated it like a commercial back in the day. Got up. Microwaved myself. Something to eat. Um, the worst part of the night for me was probably Albert Brooks' film as well. <laughs> not going to lie. Like, as much as I liked it, if it was a standalone thing, it did not fit into this episode or SNL in general. I agree with both your reasonings, but I'm, I'm still going with the Muppets. It just doesn't fit. It's not the best use of the Muppets, and it's not the best use of that time, as far as I'm concerned. And I actually enjoyed this Albert Brooks film more than more than the others so the uh, the bit the segment the joke the uh, special thing of the night for you guys chevy chase breaking and uh enjoying himself during the drooling skit this was my favorite part of the night certainly got a good rise out of me i really see chevy as a star and it was really cool to kind of see that first moment on saturday night live of a cast member not quite keeping it together. It was very brief, but voodoo acupuncture was, it really was funny to me. Uh, I rated it a 10 out of 10. Just that very beginning part where you don't really know where the joke is going. Before it gets to the end of the joke, uh, that was hilarious to me. So I'm going with a 10 out of 10 on voodoo acupuncture. It was a toss up for me between voodoo acupuncture and what I actually picked was with Don Pardo reading the terrorist demands. Um, <laughs> Special mention as well for Andy Kaufman, but uh, the Don Pardo bit just absolutely slayed it for me. And your MVP is uh, my favorite bit was the drool scene. You know what? I, I, it's you know it's going to come as no surprise at this point. I really think Chevy Chase's episode. I agree. Um, Chevy Chase was the star of this episode from beginning to end for me. Every time he was on screen, uh, I got a laugh out of it. And the drooling again with that. That kind of physical humor is always going to get me. Star for me was clear in a different way. Um, I went with Belushi for his Joe Cocker and uh, the bee business at the end. This one was, after Belushi, I found almost everyone else were pretty even, um, which was nice because it is an ensemble thing. But uh, but I went with Belushi. You know what? You're right. Um, at the end there, that was really good. And it really highlights him as somebody in the SNL group. You changing your vote? Yeah, I'm changing my vote. Changing your vote. Okay. My vote to John. So the lockers and uh, and I apologize. I couldn't find a whole heck of a lot on all of them, but I uh, I, I I did what I can. Um, 
And if anybody knows more about the lockers, feel free to comment below. Of course, Tony Basil returns uh, later to the show. Uh, she continues to work up to this day, and she became a superstar with the singing of Hey Mickey, which became a huge hit in 1981. Fluky Luke, one of the lockers, went on to uh, teach. Uh, he still teaches, from what I can gather, at the Society Dance Academy. Um, and had a, a career as a uh, choreographer and dancer. Fred Berry became a bit of a celebrity when he played rerun on the uh, the sitcom What's Happening. Uh, sadly, Mr. Berry died in 2003. Um, Oliver Gibbons passed away in 1994, and that's all I could, could find on um, Mr. Gibbons. Adolfo Shabadu Quinones starred in Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. Big-time choreographer uh, for music videos and, and made sporadic appearances everywhere. And he, he passed away just last year. Uh, Donald uh, Campbellock, the founder of the uh, the Lockers, pioneer in street dancing and break dancing and, and hip-hop dancing. He originally was a dancer on Soul Train, where a few members of the, of the group met. Um, and he was just a busy guy up until he passed away as well in, in 2020. Bill uh, Slim Robot, uh, all I got on him is that he, he's still alive. Greg Campbellock Jr., uh, Greg Pope, taught uh, choreography until he passed away in 2010. Mark Hampton, uh, who, who was uh, Denny Dillon's comedic partner, only has two IMDb credits, one in 1975 and one in 2020, um, but is apparently a successful playwright. Mary Louise Wilson, who appeared in the Felina commercial. Uh, the commercial appears a lot, but this is her, her one gig on Saturday Night Live. Um, but she's had quite a stellar career as a character actor. Rob Reiner is done as host. I couldn't find any further appearances by Rob Reiner, but something tells me that, that he's back at some point in some, in some uh, capacity. But as of right now, Rob Reiner's done. Penny Marshall does return. So that's uh, what happened to... Oh, and Denny Dillon, uh, the other... The Talking Nun, uh, Denny Dillon actually comes back as a regular cast member in the future, so you guys must be uh, definitely looking forward to that. So excited. My final thoughts for Episode 3. The show is starting to really take shape, and people are, are starting to sort of fall into their niches. Um, we're leaving the embryonic stage. Rob Reiner was doing some skits with the actors, which was which was nice. Uh, even though he was weak, we're starting to see uh, some semblance of that. It's nice to see impressions finally coming in, because they become a huge part of Saturday Night Live. The show, I think, is really starting to find its formula. This wasn't great to me, though. I thought Rob Reiner was too short. The lack of a musical guest is definitely noticeable, as great as the lockers were. Um, and I just ask, how much longer do we have to deal with those fucking Muppets? I gave this episode a 5 out of 10. Well, I think for the most part, Keith, I agree with you. Uh, I do, You know what? This felt for me like the first episode of classic Saturday Night Live. Kind of like do what Dee said earlier. Like it's the first time that we felt like we had a host, you know, like a celebrity that's come in and is in sketches and things like that. Uh, so it really felt like quintessential SNL to me, to be honest. But to your point, it wasn't a very good episode. Uh, the jokes didn't always land. Really stuffed still doesn't fit. It still goes on for too long. Uh, really, uh, you know, the tale of two episodes sometimes with this. Because so some of these sketches are really duds. The Muppets are bad. This Albert Brooks film is bad. You know, not, not everything lands. But I, I did feel it was quintessential SNL. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I am going to give it a 6 out of 10 as well. Because it feels like the most 
structured episode that we have seen so far, but saying that not everything was very funny to me. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10. Uh, it's cool, though, that we're starting to see some sort of structure and like rhythm going on here. But mm-hmm. uh, no, we're obviously, I think for the most part, other than a couple of individuals and discrepancies, we're all on the same page here. So I've given this one a five, Matt's given this one a six, and D has given this one a six, all out of ten. Um, would you like to know the uh, the score given on the Internet Movie Database, IMDb.com? It gives it a seven. That is really generous. Nostalgia glasses. Yeah, and also, too, I mean, you know, fans of the show are more likely to rate those, I think. Like I'm just going to go rate an individual episode of Saturday Night Live on IMDb from the 1970s. Of course, is into Saturday Night Live. But don't get me wrong. We should be counted among those people because here we are doing a podcast about Saturday Night Live. So, you know, we, we I should I shouldn't be, you know, my tone, my apologies, I guess my tone initially seemed to have been these people. What crazy people would go on IMDb and rate an individual episode. Uh, And here we are uh, doing the exact same thing. So I don't don't know what I'm talking about, Keith. Uh, But I I think they were being generous. They're too generous. Yeah, I'm tempted now to go into like an episode of like, just go on the IMDb and go to an episode of something like, like The Guiding Light. Just randomly pick an episode from the 80s and give it a three for no reason at all you know what and write a detailed review all right so for uh saturday night live episode three i want to thank matt and d again for for joining us tonight have a great night guys you too bless thank you very much for joining us and i hope the cockles of your heart were warmed by the fiery flames of sn hell our next episode episode four features Candace Bergen. We're having a lot of fun putting this one together, and I hope you'll enjoy it. So we'll see you next time on The Outer Rings of S and Hell.